0: Hey everybody, welcome back to We & You, where we talk about the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and a little bit about what's going on in our area. I am Terrence Sullivan.
1: And I'm Brittany Cook. Female citizens of Louisiana are denied equal protection by the total absence of their peers from the jury. I thought the new theory was that there's very little difference between men and women, so why wouldn't a men jury be there? Well, I'm not aware of that new theory. Men and women are persons of equal dignity, and they should count equally before
0: the law. You won't settle for putting Susan B. Anthony on the new dollar.
1: (laughs) We're broadcasting from beautiful downtown Louisville here in the historic Hayburn building.
0: Welcome to today's episode of We and You. It's a little bit more subdued, and so it will be a little different. Um, We will start by just really coming in on a conversation Brittany and I were having about the passing of Justice
1: Ginsburg. Equality for others and to ensure that everyone has the same chance and the same opportunities and so to know that someone that has been such a pioneer with that is now no longer in that position or even in this world, it's been scary. Yeah. it It's felt very scary. It's felt very heavy to think, who can it be to take on that role again and to be that person, to stand up for so many like myself as a woman, like myself as a queer person, like you as a Black man, you know, the the folks that are in those marginalized communities, so many people that are often not given the same chances as others, she fought for that, she fought to offer those chances, and where do we go from here?
0: So one thing that I, I didn't know until doing background research And just you, you kind of alluded to it just now, Um, but I did not know that she studied basically Thurgood Marshall Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: her, her views towards fighting for um, gender equality was routed or rooted in the same sense of how Thurgood Marshall wanted to look at racial equality. And so their views um, while they were talking about different issues they recognize uh, well she recognized the parallel in fighting for racial equality and gender equality because both of those are fighting to make sure that people aren't treated differently because of the way they were born and I think and I, I know I checked on you when we heard about this and I figured especially um, as a woman that you would feel um, some of this the same way that I felt when John Lewis Mm. passed away a few months ago where there's this person who has really stood as the flag bearer so to speak for some of the things that you have been on the front lines fighting for and it's it's hard because you have that moment of who, who's taking the baton now? Who's who's driving this car? Um, who's leading this march? Um, and it's hard because you don't know where that next step is going to be, even though you know that the work is even more important. And that's where I think the heaviness comes from for me is who and how and. And what, and all the other words that you use to uh, figure something out—it's—it's it's difficult to. It's hard to replace people or things that seem irreplaceable, even though we know there are others who care just as deeply. But you still have have that moment where you feel that loss, and you want to do something or identify the next champion right now because. You don't want to feel like hope is lost and that you're distraught because it's like, oh, crap, who? what are we going to do? Uh, I know looking online, um, that seemed to be one of the the main tenets um, that people were sharing is I don't know what happens next. And that ambiguity and fear, um, it's tough. Because it is hard to, it takes time to become a titan. And titan has been the word that I've seen used very frequently mm-hmm. in, in reference to her. And so I, I think that's adequate um, and it's, it's appropriate because she based her career on equality. And someone who is focused on equality being on the highest court in the land is, that's big and that's that's important and we need that. And so then there's that fear that comes in, like who who's, who's going to, what, what are the views going to be of whomever replaces them? Are they going to have that same eye towards equality or are we losing? And it's not a vote. It's not losing a liberal vote. It's losing the the lens of equality and just lessening even more that that hope that when there is judicial review, that you look at it from the sense of, how does this affect all people? And mm-hmm. if we have someone looking at the laws, you want them interested in how it affects all people, not just certain people. Um, you want to know that they care. About people who are in marginalized groups, and so it's it's hard.
1: I think that's something that that I struggle with too. You know, we talk about the next person that comes in to take this spot. It, it's not about party to me. It's about upholding the law, right? It's about foregoing your own values in a lot of ways in your own opinions and acknowledging what does our constitution state and how do we make sure that our constitution stands for our people and Ruth did that for us she held up the 14th amendment for us where it said nor shall any state deny to any person the equal protection of the law she took that and she ran with it when it had not been set in motion before it had been stated but it was ignored yeah and how do we help make sure that it's not ignored moving forward and how do we make sure that the things that have been decided upon based on that law at this point are upheld continuously and and are protected
0: yeah precedent is gosh it, this is why it's difficult when you losing someone like this because the court sets precedent and that becomes what we follow. Mm-hmm. Um, this office our office wouldn't exist without some judicial review that basically said that we're supposed to be treating people equally because if the law didn't make it so, unfortunately, we may not have a society focused on doing that because as as sad as it is, some people have to be forced to do what's right and what's just and you're forced because the law says you have to and that's why we need someone on the court who is focused on that um, making sure that we're equal and so precedent is where I'm a little little a little nervous being completely honest and transparent because there are things that you're, you're taught at a, at a young age that the court does this and they make sure that the laws are constitutional and that they it, it's it's Taught to you in a way that says, if something became settled law, then that's it, mm-hmm. and that's the way it, it feels. That feels right, um, but the court is not immune from going back on past decisions and saying, "Oh no, that actually wasn't right." And mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes that's a good thing because you know I was able to go to integrated schools because they were able to go back and say okay, some of the stuff we did, um, okay, that, that's not right um, under equal protection. And so being able to go back on some of those, that's fine. When there's an egregious wrong that you can clearly identify and say, okay, we know there's established precedent, however in looking at the laws and, blo- and all of that, we realize where well, this is unconstitutional. Um, my concern and my worry is the lack of respect for precedent, even in situations where it's not some egregious harm being put on other people. It's politically driven or things that people just want to see challenged because they don't agree with it. And that's, that's different than righting a wrong by going back against precedent. And so looking at the, op, not the options, but the, the prospect of someone else stepping into that seat, that their eyes would be on making something, going back against established precedent, because of opinions, as opposed to right and wrong, and writing some injustice. And the court is supposed to protect us from injustices and ensure that we are um, following the law and not moving in the direction. Of opinion mm-hmm. and and political preference, and that's that's where I that's where I worry.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I I think I struggle so much with this too because I so badly just want to grieve. I want to grieve this loss. Um, but in that, you know, we're talking about this strong woman who a day after her own husband's passing stepped up to court because she knew that a day missed could mean everything and so that hits my advocate heart as well and that makes me think you know as much as I feel like we need to offer space to protect and respect her memory um, it's hard because there's so much on the table right now as well. And there's so much to talk about and discuss and try to figure out what we can do to essentially continue her memory and practice, right? Not just in what we're talking about in the day-to-day, not just in our ideas, but in practice. How do we respect that memory and how do we ensure that what she stood for can continue, which is upholding the law. Um, and I also, you know, appreciated so much of her approach. This is someone who came in, um, you know, only the second justice to ever be on the Supreme Court as a woman. Um, and she knew that her route in talking to about equality, needed to be something that opened the eyes of the people she was talking to she was speaking to men so how do i ensure that these men are listening to me i make the argument viable towards them so many i think at what at least her first six cases that she tried were in response to men who were being discriminated against because of the law because of certain ideologies uh, that came into place of of what was considered, you know, a woman's role, like caregivers, right? There were mm-hmm. two cases on the table that she fought for and one that assisted men to be able to be caregivers. Um, and she was listened to because of that. And that's another good practice for us as well is, you know, being mindful of who it is we are speaking to at all times and how we can help relate our arguments to them so they don't become battles. They become discussion and focused debate and a way to bring each other together. Hey. We're different, right? Like, how do we find the things that we do have in common so we can understand that we both essentially want to fight for the same thing, which is the rights of other people.
0: You are listening to We and You here on Forward Radio, 106.5 FM and forwardradio.org. think something you just said is I kind of want to talk about it a little bit more just because it's not something that one is common practice Um, understanding or learning your audience to try to make a point and taking on some of those cases where men could have been aggrieved to demonstrate how women could be aggrieved. Um, that's not a common tactic that people take because people are not at least in my experience um, able to step outside of themselves and their interests in that way to lay a foundation for an argument or really for justice not an argument an argument sounds like you're just trying to be right Um, But using things that may appeal or garner more support, even if it's not directly what you are, your long-term point. Um, I I was reading something and it said that her approach was building a brick-by-brick foundation. And I think that's a really smart way to look at it because... Law, changing laws, arduous. That's the word I want to use. Arduous. It's it's taxing. It takes forever. Um, you have to you have to play it out, game plan, and figure out the direction you're going. And it takes patience and commitment and being able to do that while starting from a point that wasn't necessarily. Your end goal, I think, is admirable, it's smart, but it also brings everyone, at least in my view, it brings more people on board because now they see these rights, fighting for these rights is fighting for human rights because it could also impact me, even though the specific law that you're fighting against or arguing to to protect it may not impact me but it's a reminder that there are others that could and so there needs to be someone or some people being mindful of that and watching it and i think that's that's where we that's where we lose right now is there are so many people who are focused with how does it impact me oh that doesn't impact me at all so i'm good right now mm-hmm. um I, I i think for my own personally um, there are plenty of <laughs> just reading some of the conversations that people are having after what happened and they're saying, oh no, we need to make sure we protect this right that relates to women or this right that re- that relates to women. And I'm right there, but I'm not a woman. I don't identify as a woman. But I do understand as a black man, that they can also that changes in the law can also impact me negatively, and there are set established precedent um, that also could be challenged for things that impact me greatly. So I'm I'm very concerned about what happens with any um, law or established precedent related to gender equality because once you start shaking the tree so to speak you there there's a possibility that there are other things that can fall and so I'm mindful of that and that's something that I think about um and that's why this all of this is important
1: you know that that reminds me a lot of um the 2014 case that went up to the Supreme Court of, um, Burrell versus Hobby Lobby. Um, Justice Ginsburg dissented that, um, for those that don't recall, this was a for-profit company that was refusing based on religious grounds to comply with a federal mandate to cover birth control in their healthcare plans. And with that in mind, um, Joseph Ginsburg looked outside of just that statement alone in her dissent to say, you know, how can we say that this is okay to deny women parts of their health care coverage? At what point does, does this stop? At what point do we say... You know, okay, well, an employer is fine to be able to deny women their uh, healthcare coverage in terms of um, birth control because it's against their religion. But what if someone comes and says, well, it's now my religious belief as an employer that I can only pay the minimum wage or that I don't have to offer equal pay for women? You know, where does that line stop if we let one go? Uh, how do we come back from there, you know? And, and I love that um, that, just like you said, that's a way to look outside that minute box that says, okay, if we want to agree to this and we want to say that X, Y, and Z... You know, is okay by law, and we're gonna put this law in place. Where does A, B, and C come from as well? How do we make sure that we're not, you know, pushing a boulder down a hill and we're about to just destroy everything below it?
0: Thinking about just, I hate saying slippery slope, I got tired of the phrase slippery slope. Mm and that's one of the arguments that people present against anything in law school. It's like, well, if
1: you do this, that's a slippery slope. Um, <laughs>
0: I hate that phrase. So,
1: what about trickle down effect?
0: Well, trickle, yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. There's also a trickle down effect. Um, <laughs> unintended consequences. All these words. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is something. Thinking about Hobby Lobby, um, that's something. In those situations, that's something that we do need to be mindful of is how how can the court be seen in a sense of protecting rights of everyone, but in a way that also doesn't create these slippery slope, trickle down issues because of the ability or the twisting of words and ideas and concepts, because then it's like, oh, well, this exception's okay legally. So how else can we create another exception? Mm-hmm. And then if everything is accepted, and I mean accepted as an exception, not as in accepting a gift or something. Mm-hmm. If, everything is, if everything is under an exception, who's protected by the law? Because if you keep finding ways to decrease the people who are protected or covered, at the end of the day, you might have no one left or you might have one group that gets all the rights and the rest of us just look from the outside and say, I remember when. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that we have to try to guard against is, is that position of, uncertainty and I think that's why a lot of people are a little upset and on edge is if they're if you don't have those titans fighting for everyone who are the people fighting for and so it's it's unnerving and it's it's tough to to plan a step forward when you don't know really where we are
1: yeah yeah I agree um I think that was one thing I really appreciated from her dissents as well you know she acknowledged if anything her hope was to positively influence and impact decisions made in future cases um and and they were very well written right it's it's not again it's not about the side it's not about the view it's not about partisanship it's about upholding the law in a way that keeps people from feeling like they're being excluded Um, because as you said that slippery slope can come from the other side right some people might argue well if i give so and so rights then i give this person rights and oh it's no, just gonna people keep, get rights <laughs> right oh it's no. just gonna keep happening right but <laughs> but that's the thing like our concern isn't how many people are offered rights it's how many people are not and how do we make sure that the same rights the same rights are expanded to everybody right right about rights um i would like to take this moment to pause for a brief little break um i want to state that you know we've got some new bed music in the background for those of you who've been listening um that music is provided by producer esquire music Uh, we appreciate him very much in that um, and I have a little game that I want to play that Terrence doesn't oh. know about. I'm throwing <laughs> it at him. Uh, so tune back into us, or tune into us now if you're just coming on. I don't know if you're sitting in your car or at your office, but um, be ready for this because hopefully it'll be fun.
0: Most people say stay tuned, but
1: stay tuned. <laughs> tune stay back tuned in. <laughs> or that.
0: Stay tuned for more radio from the people, by the people, here on your grassroots community station, WFMP Louisville.
1: We are independent, not-for-profit, listener-sponsored, volunteer-powered community radio, and we rely on your contributions to stay on air. Please go to forwardradio.org, click participate to get behind these microphones, and click donate if you like what you're hearing and want to help sustain it. Consider sponsoring an entire day's broadcast with a gift of just $20 to Forward Radio.
0: So, before we jump into the game that I am being surprised (laughs) with, which, cool, I guess. um, I guess I did this before, too. Um, I did think it would be kind of cool to talk about, or not cool, but appropriate to talk about um, some of the things that made Justice Ginsburg not, I'll say famous, um, notable, and that was her dissents. And so I thought it might make sense to talk about some of her dissents and the cases where those were needed or where they were discussed. And um, the first one I will start with, um, I have two, um, and jump in anytime on some that you wanted to talk about. Um, But talking in some people listening to this will know the name Lily Ledbetter and talking about equal pay. And at the time in 2006 the court had ruled against Lily Ledbetter who had worked for Goodyear and Justice Ginsburg was the only woman on the court at the time, and she decided that she would read her dissent from the bench, which is not common, um, but if done, it gets a little bit of attention uh, to the reasons for which you are stating your disagreement with the direction the court is taking. Um, And your reasons for doing so. And so she said, the court does not comprehend the insidious way that women can be victims to discrimination. And she stated that the ball is now in Congress's court, which uh, a few years later, President Obama then had signed the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act into law, which aimed at ensuring fair pay and equal pay for women. And so things like that, looking at from her perspective as the only woman on the court to point out some of the ways in which women could be discriminated against in the workplace and to take the step of reading that out loud as opposed to If people are unfamiliar, in the in court opinions you will have the opinion of the majority, so whichever opinion the court voted for, and any justice has the opportunity for also providing either their concurrence, which is them saying that they agree or why they agree or they agree in the result but not in the reasoning. And so they they explain their reasoning or they can put in their dissent, which they then offer their reasoning on why they think at that point the court got it wrong. And so in taking the step to read it out loud as opposed to just leaving it in there for people to Stumble across if they happen to read the opinion, I think just goes to show that she did have an eye for um, uplifting inequality in a way to to let people know or make more people aware of some of the inequalities that existed. Um, another one um, was, in 2013, and this one is very timely um, because these this is in the news right now as we uh, start this election. Um, some people have already started voting in this election as of last week. So as we start this election, not as we gear up towards the election. But in 2013, the court continued their um, removal of provisions of the Voting Rights Act.
1: Ah, you took mine. Shelby County versus Boulder, yes.
0: <laughs> and so, That's a good one. Um, in her dissent, um, she talked about how dismantling the Voting Rights Act was like throwing away your umbrella in a rainstorm mm-hmm. because you're not getting wet, mm-hmm. and things like that are what made her a. Uh, a cult hero for those focused on equitable justice. And so just having some of those, um, those types of statements in her dissents or really just being pointed in her critiques of some policies uh, just showcased her, her views on equality and, how we should all be treated the same under the law. So now, (laughs) that laugh and hand rub, uh, (laughs) I get to play uh, some game, but I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to be doing now. So
1: So there's a game uh, called I Descent. And essentially, for those of you who are, Um, used to apples to apples or (laughs) cards against humanity. Um, It's kind of along that same frame. So we won't be fully able to play it because there's just two of us. So, just two of us. So, you know, unless <laughs> instead of arguing against each other, I just get to vote on how good your argument is. I kind of like that stance. Mm. Um, I feel like we should
0: go the other way around. I should vote on how good your argument
1: no, is. No, 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 no. You first, <laughs> you first. Uh, we got to expand that lawyer background you've got going on. Um, so essentially, there's topic. And I'm just gonna let you pick one of these cards and then tell us what it says.
0: Toilet paper roll over and not under.
1: Oh, and so now you have to argue either to agree or disagree (laughs) with that statement. So, are you an under or an over kind of guy?
0: I'm an over.
1: Over? Yes,
0: that is my argument and I'm going to stick with it. And why? So, First off, <laughs> toilet paper on a roll is made to use to create maximum efficiency <laughs> of the use of the roll and to limit your time in using said toilet paper. And so when you go under, the direction in which you pull it creates an unnatural hand motion that slows you down. And also leads to wasting 33% more of paper (laughs) because of the direction that you're rolling it.
1: Wow.
0: Yes. Um, Furthermore, (laughs) as the rollers are set up, they're so close to the wall. Or generally, the way that they roll, having them go under makes it harder to adjust If there's an issue, because you can only go down. But if you're going over, you can go up, you can go straight, or you can go down. And so that gives you more range of motion to make it a more efficient and effective use of paper.
1: So for those of you who want to jump in on this argument and vote whether they are over or under, please let us know at (laughs) humanrightsky on Twitter. (laughs)
0: Which means everyone should agree with me because that's the only correct way to do it.
1: I mean, I don't know. Can I can I make my statement on that? Sure. I
0: tell us why you. I am in
1: that. agreement with you because in my brain, I I'm an. I'll be honest. I'm an overuser of toilet paper as it is. That's the least sustainable part about me. <laughs> um, but <laughs> in thinking of going under, I'm just like, well, what if? What if your hand touches it, but your hand's not quite as clean? And then, I don't know, that's just a whole other tangent that my brain <laughs> can go on that we probably don't need to go on on air, so we'll just say I'm I'm team over. Team over? Team over. Okay, mm-hmm.
0: cool. <clears throat> I, since since we have to play games, am going to do the same for you. We'll pick a topic, and what is your topic?
1: Oh, tap water is just as good as bottled water.
0: Are we disqualified since we live in Louisville with the best tap water in the United States? You know,
1: that's a pretty good statement there. Uh, That means we're going to be biased judges here, so do we need to dismiss this one to another court? yes okay
0: (laughs) shout out to louisville water company
1: (laughs) hey oh this one's interesting um fake nails are a waste of money okay i didn't know that that was an argument that anybody was worried about but i guess you know it's a topic card here i think they're an economic
0: investment in your future but you go first
1: An economic
0: investment. Go ahead. I I
1: will want to hear more about that in (laughs) just a moment. So I'm going to go with um, I disagree. And this is coming from a very natural Nels girl. Um, Nor am I a person who believes in having a lot of plastics around or chemical agents in our bodies. However... It's not about me, right? This is what we've been talking about. We can't make judges based on our own opinions. We make them based on equality and rights for everybody. So I would not want somebody to um, not have their rights in using their money that they earn um, or have around for fake nails if they so choose to wear fake nails. We all have different styles. Um, and it's it's not about me to decide whether or not you are using your money productively <laughs> and it's not about me to decide how you look so that's all I got
0: <laughs> I find your argument persuasive
1: okay um, that's surprising I'm I'm not a great <laughs> persuasive type of speaker
0: you're really not
1: I'm, I'm really not I Unless I've had the time to pull some data and metrics, <laughs> um, I just kind of lose out.
0: So fake nails, first off, they're not always a waste of money. And I think that's where we should look at any type of law or policy or decision is, for me, yes, it's a gigantic waste of money. Brittany probably thinks it will be a waste of money for her. Um, however... If I were someone who could not grow my nails, um, Mm. fake nails are not a waste of money. They are an investment to my self-esteem or my confidence because of that need to, um, especially with societal norms as they are, um, I may feel like I need to have something to just give me that extra boost. So I don't feel like for everyone... Fake nails are a waste of money, and so making that blanket statement for everyone is inadequate. So, I guess it's my turn
1: to do this.
0: I'll just pick this topic card off the top.
1: And again, for those of you playing at home, please let us know where you stand on agree or disagree with each (laughs) topic on our Twitter account at HumanRightsKY.
0: I feel like the nails will be a, some hot takes. Oh, it's still okay to wear cargo shorts. Oh. <laughs> I'm currently wearing... I'm not. <laughs> um, I
1: had to double take for a moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen you wear cargo shorts? I
1: don't think so, Okay, but <laughs> you, you just never know.
0: However, it is still okay to wear cargo shorts because <laughs> the following reasons. One... Again, I can't place value judgments on what people do and don't do. Two, um, I know for me, when I was not able to afford to buy clothes and my clothes came from St. Vincent de Paul, I did not have control of what my clothes were. And I don't think it's appropriate to say what's okay and not okay for someone to wear, especially as all of us don't have control over what we have by way of possessions for clothing, Mm -hmm. so I think it's definitely still okay to wear cargo shorts. And the third reason, they're practical. If you need to wear shorts because it's hot, but you need to carry a lot of things, you have like 60 pockets. And I've heard many complaints from some people that dresses and skirts and those types of things don't have pockets all the time.
1: (laughs) I eat meat (laughs) every other day.
0: So I'm sure they're very jealous of the cargo shorts crowd where they have 75 pockets per leg. And so it is still okay to wear cargo shorts. Bam.
1: Hot topic. So, again, for that, I am going to (laughs) step down from this decision um, to to ensure (laughs) that that I do not have a biased opinion or a decent amount of pushback from my constituents who are not my constituents.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Brittany's card is. Last
1: one. Watching a movie at home is better than watching it at the theater. Facts.
0: <laughs> this is too easy. Oh
1: well see I'm I'm going to disagree.
0: Your TV is too small.
1: I'm sure a lot of people would say that. Um because you know I'm such an electronics buff over here. Um no, I you know this about me, right? Um I am a terrible, terrible TV watcher. I'm a terrible movie watcher as well. Um, I I need a lot of intentional space um to be able to make sure that I am focusing so um this one hit the home a little bit that and it also doesn't I don't feel like it has a big agree disagree audience So I feel okay saying that this is more of an opinion piece here um nope, you have to make the <laughs> definitive case
0: <laughs> on why You think that it's better.
1: Okay, chief. Or not
0: better.
1: but So I think that it is better because... Which is better? I think that watching a movie in theater is better because that is why you are there. You are making an intentional motive to go to a space to watch a a movie, right? Whereas if you're at home, there are 20,000 things that you use your home for, on a given day that might be an exaggeration it's okay again Mm -hmm. i don't have data and metrics in front of me cargo
0: point cargo shorts have 75
1: pockets (laughs) per leg so
0: data is irrelevant here
1: so uh, for me it's got to be better right that's what we're there for and that's why the movie industry is bringing in so much money and that's why you see well you see a lot of um different standards um being made today to try to make sure that when folks are watching new movies new releases i.e milan um that there is intentional point around that right they're still paying for that experience and to be present there and to enjoy that movie only in that moment
0: is that does that conclude your argument
1: if i had a gavel
0: (laughs) so generally the Person arguing doesn't have a gavel.
1: Well, you know, i have a very strange spent court. <laughs> so, min- so much time in court myself. Um, <laughs> As in like twice, maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I will issue my dissent on your opinion and say that watching a movie at home is 10 million times better than the theater for a few reasons. One, it's a lot cheaper. And you are able to share that experience with multiple people who may not be able to go to a theater, but would like to see a movie. I hate um, it. So you are being classist over here, saying only people who have theater money can watch movies. I'm kidding. Um, however. There's um, a
1: point there. There's also a point to say there. that some people won't have access even in their homes, too. That's also
0: true. Um Another reason, at least for me personally, is food at theaters costs way too much money. That's where cargo and, shorts come into play. Oh, cargo shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I will say for Harry Potter, uh, when I, I did uh, one of the last times I went, well, that wasn't the last time I went to the theater, but I did have quite a lot of food in a coat and some pockets and.
1: I have a late friend that passed, so annually I sneak sushi into the movie theater in memory of one of our funnest times. So. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: and the last reason watching a movie at home is better than watching, watching at the theater is you are able to more comfortably um, enjoy something and really take it in because as televisions have changed over time and many TVs and video quality and sound quality has moved to replicate the theater experience uh, being able to do it at home you can create that intentional space that you spoke of by having a movie space or being able to pause and go to the restroom if you need to or do things that need to happen. I'm a frequent, uh, I need to leave a movie theater moving probably twice per movie. Um, I like to pick a seat with easy ways out because I probably have to go pee. And so I think at home, you have that option to pause it and not miss something that could be a key detail, but you also can pay more attention to the movie and enjoy the experience because you're not thinking hmm, I wonder if this is a time I can sneak out or not. I wonder if this time is okay.
1: I hear you there. Yeah, so. I, yes. Yes. <laughs> I hear you there. So
0: for those, for those reasons, I uh, respectfully um, dissent to your opinion because your opinion was trash.
1: Oh! <laughs> and that last part. No, but um, in all seriousness, you know, we're here, as we said Earlier to pay homage and pay memory to um, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I want to acknowledge, you know, this is fun to to do, take this moment um, to even play a game <laughs> that was made in her honor. Um, Terrence, as he said, reached out to me on Friday evening. Um, We're always severely distraught and I've, I've still been struggling um the last two days with trying to figure out you know what do i want to do to take this step forward and it's always helpful to have spaces and places and friends and family around you who you can take a moment to step aside and have a good laugh and know what is truly important to you and how you want to continue moving forward in your own fight for justice and your rights um, and when you're not on the court of your values and to respect each other. So thank you for that, Terrence.
0: Thank you. And if anyone listening um, wanted to kind of share where they were um, or just how they're feeling right now and thinking about the civil human rights community. Um, feel free, drop us a note at human rights KY on Twitter. Um, and we can read those, listen, respond, and maybe just open up that community a little bit more and let people talk about where they are right now. And as we said in our first show, we want to use this to create spaces and, We definitely want to utilize this moment as one of those uh, space creators and show that there are people out there thinking about justice and equality and rights as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And if anyone feels like your rights have been disinhibited by someone else, if you feel like you've been discriminated against, please... Please reach out to us at Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and let us help you.
0: Voting is important. This year, with the addition of absentee and early voting, information is a key part of that participation. Make sure your voice is heard this November. Before October 9th, go to govoteky.gov to request your absentee ballot or get key details on this upcoming election. Remember, Early voting begins October 13th, and the general election is quickly approaching on November 3rd. At We & You, Brittany and I want to thank you for taking part in our democracy and moving this state and country forward. If you enjoyed this show, check out some of the other great programming here on Forward Radio, such as Depth & Weight, Joe and Annie's amazing, heartfelt exploration of the battle against addiction. It airs here on 106.5 FM every Sunday at 2 p.m., Monday at 8 a.m. and Tuesday at 2 p.m.